I'm well, Andrea. This I'm is April. April. Oops. Yeah, you're. No, that's this restart. Bad beginning. I'll, that was <laughs> a bad beginning. <laughs> well, welcome back, everybody. I'm Andrea, and I'm April. And this is AA Smug. This week we're going to talk about really bad beginnings, which is ironic because we just had a really bad false start to this episode and had to restart. So clearly we don't know what we're talking about. Right. How do you write a great beginning in your book that grips your readers and pulls them in so that they read the rest of the book and then recommend it to a friend so that they buy a book and then you're selling tons of copies across the world? How do you do that? We'll talk about how you do that. We haven't sold millions of copies across the world yet, but we will. You could use scratch and sniff pages. That'll do it. <laughs> it sounded like I said millions of coffees across the world, and right now I wish I had a million coffees. <laughs> Coffee scented We're... pages. Your readers won't be able to stop. Yeah, mm-hmm. there's something. Mm-hmm. Write that down. Uh, yeah, coffee scented pages, our next book. <laughs> That's, cinnamon yeah. roll scented pages for the book that we're going to write yeah, about the cinnamon, roll. cinnamon rolls. Yeah, that was in an episode that we didn't air. That'll I know. Be in our, our special features. Yes. <laughs> First, before we launch into that, we're going to give you the word of the week. And as some of you might be familiar with so far, we do the word of the week and we try to say it as many times possible in one episode we keep count. Whoever wins uh, gets added to the tally. Whoever wins the most in that month, at the end of the month, the loser has to send the winners a pair of socks. And I'm going to win. Probably. Maybe not, though. The word of the day is defenestrate. Defenestrate. It means to throw someone or something out of a window. Literally just throw out of a window. It's one of my favorite words. And now that I've uh, said it, uh, everything, we can start tallying up points now using it properly in a sentence. Okay. So April, for you, uh, what makes a good beginning when you pick up a book, open it up, what grabs you and what makes you want to buy that book right away? You walk up to the counter and you purchase it with your own money because you're like, I need to read this right now. Well, scratch and sniff pages aside, I like beginnings that have something fresh and original, but also beginnings that put me in the moment right away. Um, I don't mm-hmm. like a lot of description leading up to what's going to happen. It was 7 a.m. and I woke up to my alarm clock and I didn't want to get out of bed because I was up late the night before. And if, if I start reading something like that, I close the book and I put it back on the shelf because I'm a judger of, of first sentences. If, if I don't like first sentence, I put it back. So I like to be put into the moment immediately. I like something that makes me kind of like, oh, I wow, I want to know what happens next. That immediately grabs me and maybe I should give books a little bit more of a chance, but I don't. I think that for me is the biggest thing. It doesn't even have to be super exciting, but it has to draw me in. Maybe it's really witty. Maybe it's just beautiful or it is exciting or any number of things. It's got to grab me. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I read the last page, so I, I this is alien to me. <laughs> uh-huh, I yeah. open the book. I go to the last page and I read the last sentence. And if it's like, oh, that's that's a good way to end a book, then I'll give mm-hmm. it my time of day. 
But if it's really stupid or really cheesy or really corny, I'm like, uh, no, I'm, I, I'm not going to do it. Mm-mm. You know, yeah, for instance, no. uh, the Hunger Games series, the last, the bit, the last bit of that, the mm-hmm. whole last chapter, the whole last sentence, just piece of art. Oh my oh, goodness! Yes, yes, it is. I, I appreciate that that those that whole series actually. Um, but for me, I guess it is excellent. Yeah, if if I'm gonna open up and judge a book by the first chapter, I wouldn't necessarily say there has to be action, but there definitely has to be some curiosity there. What is this mm-hmm. person doing? Why are they running away? Well, actually, no. When somebody's running away immediately in a book, I'm like, okay, that's cliche. Forget it. Yeah, sometimes it's like they're trying too hard. And so that's also something yeah. you have to be careful of with the type of beginning I was talking about. If it's like too much, too overdone, you can tell they're trying too hard to grab you to the point of sacrificing mm-hmm. the authentic, I don't know, whatever they're trying to convey, the honesty yeah. of the story, then it, it will turn me off. The authenticity mm-hmm. of the story. Yeah. And now I will say that a lot of people, a lot of publishing houses, especially a lot of editors, put a ton of emphasis on that first sentence and that first chapter, first few paragraphs. And they always say, oh, you know, if it's not good, we're going to throw it in the un- in the junk pile, you know, deny- denial pile or whatever. No, that rhymes. That's our denial pile. The denial pile. They're going to defenestrate it. Mm-hmm. And and with no chance and you know fine whatever that's how they conduct business but for me personally if the synopsis of the book sounds good especially if it's an author that I like and the first sentence doesn't work I'll give them the first chapter because I know a lot of books have a rough first chapter it shouldn't be so but it happens so I give them the benefit of the doubt and I'll read Mm -hmm. the first chapter Mm-hmm. And if I ever have my own publishing house, I'll do that too. And I'll read the end, of course. Always read the end. <laughs> yeah, you'll judge everybody's books by turning to the end. And just, oh, okay, <laughs> I guess your ending is good, so I'll consider it. See, I, I do not like reading the ending first because I remember it. Then the whole time I'm reading the book, I, I'm putting together the pieces and I know what ending it's leading up to. And that really bothers me. I have a God-given gift of forgetting everything immediately. I'm like, oh, that's nice. And then I go read it and I don't, I couldn't even tell you what the end was. Yeah. I'll sometimes open up in the middle and kind of look at some dialogue or. I've done that a just, little. Yeah. What's going on to see if it's, if it's good writing, but we're not talking yes. about judging the book. We're just talking about how to draw your peop- your readers in with, with a mm-hmm. good first, first mm-hmm. sentence for those who aren't us and don't give books a chance we will help you out figure out how to best write that first chapter that first sentence even mm-hmm. before we launch i already said launch and just forget that get get a new one let's definitrate that old thing that we just were talking about and let's go ahead and get into reading a few uh first chapters that are exceptional we're not going to read the full chapters of course we're only going to read a few paragraphs right paragraph or two yeah yeah just read until it feels like we've conveyed the wonderfulness 
of the opening. Read until I fall asleep. <laughs> well, maybe not. <laughs> uh, which one do you want to start with? Oh, let's see. Um, I could. We could start with Little Women. How about that one? Okay. And we had to go with uh, books that are on uh, public domain for mm-hmm. copyright reasons. So, of course, there are tons and tons of books out there that have great beginnings, but we can't read them verbatim because of copyright. <laughs> so we had to, you know, go with the classics, but they're classics for a reason because they're very well written. So with that being said, April... You do have a copy of Little Women, right? <laughs> oh, darn. I forgot it. No, it's Do I have it's to go here. get in my closet? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Let's read a few snippets here from the opening of Little Women by Louisa May Alcott. Christmas won't be Christmas without any presents, grumbled Joe, lying on the rug. It's so dreadful to be poor, sighed Meg, looking down at her old dress. I don't think it's fair for some girls to have plenty of pretty things, and other girls nothing at all, added little Amy, with an injured sniff. We've got father and mother, and each other, said Beth contentedly from her corner. The four young faces on which the firelight shone brightened at the cheerful words, but darkened again as Joe said sadly, We haven't got father, and shall not have him for a long time. She didn't say perhaps never, but each silently added it thinking of father far away where the fighting was. I do really like that beginning. I do too. I think that um, it does a lot with very little. It's just you drop into the middle of this conversation between sisters and immediately you get a glimpse of who they are, their personalities coming through what they're saying and that's another thing about a good beginning, I think, is, you know, make, put substance into that beginning. That's your introduction, your here's, here's who the main character or characters are. It's an opportunity to not just lay a setting, but to immediately transport the reader, you know, here, get them familiar with the characters, get to know them so that they immediately begin to sympathize with the characters and have an interest in them. And I think that I think Little Women does that marvelously. And you kind of get a little bit of backstory without getting a backstory. You find out that they're they're not getting presents for some reason, and that their dad is gone mm-hmm. from war at you know at a war visiting a war. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> <laughs> He's just visiting casually visiting a war somewhere, and it's told of through. These- through dialogue, through what's happening, rather than an opening yes. like four sisters sat by the fireplace and they talked mm-hmm. about this. You know, it's it's in action, and I love that. And you feel like you have just been transported into their living room and are taking part of their conversation. You're not just watching through a window. You feel like you're sitting yes. on the couch with next mm-hmm. to Amy or Joe. And they're talking mm-hmm. with you and you're a part of the conversation. I don't know how she does that. It's just how I feel. It's I such know. a cozy book. I know. That whole book, really. I mean, we're talking about the beginning, but that's Louisa May Alcott. Genius of a woman. It, you just, you do. You feel that way. You feel like you're snuggled up right next to them. And I love that. 
Now, you could say, though, she starts with uh, dialogue. She starts with dialogue, Mm -hmm. and that is good, how she does it. But some people can start with dialogue and maybe drag on too much with dialogue or Mm -hmm. have it not be important dialogue. Like you said, Mm -hmm. everything that each girl said showed their character a little bit. It introduced each person perfectly. You know, Joe's all grumbly. Amy's being kind of selfish and petty. And uh, Beth is being practical and sweet. And Mm -hmm. I don't remember what Meg was doing. (laughs) (laughs) Meg was complaining. She said it's so dreadful to be poor. Oh, right, right, right. She wants to have fine things. Yeah, so you nothing. you get a little a little taste of each sister in just a small piece of dialogue. She didn't have each person wax poetic for, you know, mm-hmm. five sentences about why why they're not having presents and why they mm-hmm. are hate being poor. So that's something to remember if you're going to open with dialogue to also keep it fresh. And, and not to drag on. Mm-hmm. There's a lot then, that can come out throughout the story. You mm-hmm, know, just give yeah. enough to pique interest and pique curiosity and give us some insight. And, and really, don't waste words. This could apply to your yeah. whole book. But that's that's prime real estate. Every little word on the page. So use it. And half the time, maybe the average reader doesn't even know you're doing that. They don't even realize you're doing that. But they're getting a a much richer experience because you did. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. So that's a really good beginning. It has our stamp of approval. Yes. Do you have anything Um, else to add? No, I don't think so. I guess we can move on if you wanted to hit the next book. Yes. I have it right here. So another good beginning. you hear the ruffling of the pages i know it's such a anna- delicious sound <laughs> anne of green gables by ellen montgomery i really appreciate this whole book and i appreciate mm-hmm. gilbert blythe as you guys know from last week's episode <laughs> let's see so i will just read a little bit of the first chapter <clears throat> Mrs. Rachel Lynde lived just where the Avonlea main road dipped down into a little hollow, fringed with alders and ladies' eardrops, and traversed by a brook that had its source away back in the woods of the old Cuthbert Place. It was reputed to be an intricate, headlong brook in its earlier course through those woods, with dark secret pools and cascade, but by the time it reached Lynde's hollow, it was a quiet, well-conducted little stream, for not even a brook could run past Mrs. Rachel Lynde's door without due regard for decency and decorum. It probably was conscious that Mrs. Rachel was sitting at her window, keeping a sharp eye on everything that passed, from brooks and children up, and that if she noticed anything odd or out of place, she would never rest until she had ferreted out the whys and wherefores thereof. Bravo, bravo. (laughs) To 
to Ellen Montgomery, not not to you, but you know, I mean, well, I know, well, I was like, yeah, well not to me. I don't... read it well. <laughs> I beg to differ, but that's okay. I'll I'll, I'll take the compliment. <laughs> so, what did you think about that bit? Okay, again, it draws you in, you are placed into the setting, and this time, rather than necessarily being dropped into the middle of a conversation, you're eased into it, so you flow, like, you know, it's talking about a a little brook flowing, and you kind of flow into it, and that, I think, for the whole story and what Anne of Green Gables is, is fitting. You just, you feel immediately, you you feel the book, the tone of the book, which was the same with Little Women. Yes, you get that there's this town, you get an introduction to Rachel Lind, um, you, you learn a lot about her in that little beginning, and she's not even a main character. I think that, mm-hmm. I, again, I think it's a brilliantly written beginning, even if, you know, some could say maybe that it like was too wordy or something, but I mean, yeah. I don't think so. I think it's, I think it's great. And it, granted, it was an older book, and they sometimes were a little wordy. Yes, uh, that is very true for this series and this writer. She is, she likes to wax poetic. She's she's writing wordy, about but... Anne, so yes, it fits. It's a, it's very well done. If you're going to be wordy, that's the way to do it. That, in my opinion, I, I really appreciate her work, and she has a way of just making each scene and each chapter very cozy even if it's you know not a cozy topic yeah. just describing everything and you know me I love descriptions mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> it paints a very vivid picture like you said it kind of introduces you to the feel of the book but I, I like that it's it introduces you to the secondary character not the main character Rachel Lind mm-hmm. and I I almost like that that you're you're going to be introduced to the main characters through her perspective, kind of like um, the Great Gatsby was done through the perspective of the secondary character. It, mm-hmm. It's just a a nice different way to start a book, and also there's no dialogue right off the bat, like we were talking about. Little Women mm-hmm. starts off with the dialogue. This has none in that Mm -hmm. first part that I read anyway, Mm -hmm. but it works. So there's another option for you if you don't want to start off with dialogue, or maybe if you're going for a more cozy feel with your book or romance or, you know, a historical Mm -hmm. drama or something like that. I don't necessarily know if it would work with a sci-fi, but Hey, you know what? If you're going to try it, do it and do it. Well, you can make it work. That's right. You could. Yeah. It, um, the what you write in the beginning I think we were kind of already saying it but I guess I just wanted to repeat it it does set the tone for your whole book so you know keep that in mind what's like Andrea was saying what type of book is it what's the genre what um you know the any number of things so that the way you open one of your books may be very different from the way you open another unless you write very consistently and like Nicholas Sparks your books are what they are and everybody knows that and they're famous for being that or like Andrea tends to write all over the place from fantasy to sci-fi to romance. Well, when you're writing with me, you write romance. (laughs) So so she writes all kinds of stuff, which I I do that a little bit too. Maybe not as much as you, but you're setting the tone. And I think that's what this book does. And it's, it's interesting. Another thing about opening from Rachel Lynn's perspective is that 
you, I think you get curious along with her about what's happening. And, you know, the scene Mm -hmm. goes on to what Matthew Cuthbert riding by and she's all wondering what's going on, you know. And so that's interesting to think about, too. What could you do to open your book in a different way? Whose perspective or what approach will you take? Because there are so many different angles to approach it from. What can you do that's different? And, and you know, maybe it's been done before, but how could you just put a different twist on that? Try to imagine and write it in a few different ways if you want until something just really hits home for you. Mm-hmm. And like we always say to do what is interesting to you, you know, If you're more familiar with your book, maybe sometimes it can be hard to get that fresh perspective because you're like, oh, this is great because I know these characters and I know how they are and stuff like that. But also write a beginning if you can kind of pull yourself out of your your writer mind and transform into a reader's mind and look at it objectively. Mm -hmm. Write a beginning that you want to read. You know, same with whatever you're writing the whole book you always make sure it's something that you would pick up and be like oh yeah I like that and yeah Mm -hmm. I'm gonna do it Mm -hmm. and that's usually the rule that I try to operate out of sometimes I can be like oh what if my readers don't like this what if the publishing houses don't like it what if the editor doesn't like it well be true to yourself first what if you don't like it Mm -hmm. are you gonna write it because everybody else likes it and you hate it no Mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't anyway, not me personally. Yeah. <clears throat> At the same time, and we've talked about it before, it's kind of good to have a controlled group. So, you know, once you've done that, do have somebody else read it. Does this interest you? Because like you said, you know your characters, you're familiar with them, and you can try to remove yourself from that, but you might miss something. So you you do, of course, want to check like, okay, you know, is somebody else going to feel lost reading this? Did I not give enough information? Did I give too much information? But yes, I agree with what you said, just that there's also a time to reach out and share with others. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, we're thinking, you're thinking of like technical, I guess, um, does this work? Do you like it? Did it grab you, et cetera, et cetera, which is what I do all the time with you and with Kara. Yeah. I'm just thinking of like the, like the feel of the book. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I need to, like, people chasing the fresh perspective mm-hmm. and getting too caught up on, I need to be fresh and I need to be different and I need to appease everyone and this needs to not go into the reject bin mm-hmm. and stuff. And it's like, well, no, stay true to yourself and what you want in your book and what you want to get yes. out of it and how you want it to begin. That's more of what I was saying is not to mm-hmm. get too hung up on I guess on all the rules that we're giving you right now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, totally. There's a nice balance, you know, there's the balance of the rules and then the balance of staying true to to yourself and your writing and your world. Yes. Yes. I sound so zen and hippie saying stuff like that. Just stay true to yourself. The only reason I say it. (laughs) Well, the thing is, there are so many different ways, so many different approaches that you can take. We're just giving you some examples of really good ones and some thoughts on what we think makes them good and interesting. Yes. And building building off a little uh, from what you said, um, being true to yourself and everything, kind of in hand in hand with that is 
don't let that, uh, you know, knock them out kind of beginning hold you back from telling your story just right. You know, if you're sitting there staring at a blank page and you're like, oh, what first sentence can I write to really grip the readers? Don't even think about that. Start writing. Maybe you'll end up deleting your whole first chapter, but it will get you flowing. So, I mean, this that's a whole topic for another time. But, you know, while we talk about these great beginnings, this is more maybe after you've written your book, you go back and tweak the beginning and that's where you're going to make sure of this. You know, in the meantime, just write what you want to write the way you want to write it just get it on the page. That's of course, you yes. know, number one rule of writing, just write. So, so just do get that. Don't get too hung up on, on everything. <laughs> but yes. um, these are some things when you're thinking about afterwards and you want to move to publishing or trying to publish uh, to consider with your beginnings. Yes. I've had, um, I've heard some people say that the first chapter is really just there for you. And you're, yeah. most of the time, people end up just getting rid of it. Now, for mm-hmm. me, I've taken an extreme. I have gone in the middle of the book, cut it in half, and gotten rid of the f- whole first half and started right mm-hmm. in the middle. Mm-hmm. And that works for me. Now, with it can. our book, yeah, now with, with our romance that we wrote, A Song Without Words, mm-hmm. we started at one point, the first chapter actually has been the same since the dawn of time but then we went back and decided you know we started a little too abruptly we need to give a little bit of a backstory and that was an instance when that was okay so we went and made a prologue yeah we actually did the opposite we went and gave a little Mm -hmm. bit more background and I think it I I like it I think it's so much better than what it was Yes, because instead of, so that, that, like I said, there's a balance. Sometimes you do just need to go start right in the middle of your whole book. Other times, if you step back and take a look at it, or like April said, have your your test subjects go and read it and tell you what they think. Sometimes you might have to add a little bit more. Sometimes you might need to use a prologue. I don't like to mm-hmm. use too many prologues. Uh, sometimes they can be a little messy. Sometimes they can drag on. Mm-hmm. But some th- there is a place for them, and you have that's just you have to make those decisions. Yeah, yeah. If a prologue isn't necessary, then don't use it. But there are times yeah. when it just feels like the right thing to do. Your your introduction, you feel like it's a little bit removed from where the story really starts and yet it it has things that hold a lot of weight for what does happen in the story. So it's important Mm -hmm. enough to put it in there. Yeah. I, I do like certain types of prologues. I feel like it helps to set your, the scene and helps to set the feel of the book. Um, Mm -hmm. Sometimes I feel like they should be used to, hmm, trying to think of the right word they excite you they're kind of like a, a movie trailer you're like oh, mm-hmm. oh 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 my goodness oh how exciting yeah. when someone just like i don't know puts a memory in a prologue and it's really wordy and takes forever and it's long and you're just like okay if you were gonna mm-hmm. start a year earlier you if you're gonna just 
recap on this whole entire year? Why not just start the book in this year, you know? Sometimes they're completely useless. I like prologues that build anticipation, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, In my Star Wars fanfic, I have a tiny prologue. It's like a few few paragraphs long and a lot of people would say well what is even the point of having that prologue there but it's an introduction done by one of the characters in first person perspective that uh, isn't used later it's not a first person perspective book but it just it sets the tone and it gives you you a lot of anticipation Mm -hmm. i like that so anyway i I completely forgot (laughs) <laughs> I was gonna say I completely forgot about prologues when we were talking about beginnings of books and then I was reminded and I'm like yeah. oh yeah that's a whole chunk of beginning topic that we could talk about anyway absolutely moving on yep <laughs> moving on I was gonna say we have uh one more beginning we wanted to read kind of um reading I think three pretty different beginnings from mm-hmm. three yep. famous authors And this beginning is perhaps the most famous of them all. Well, not the most famous, but I think everybody at some point in their life has probably heard it quite. Yeah. And that is Pride and Prejudice by Jane Austen. So let's see what Jane wrote for us today. It is a truth universally acknowledged that a single man in possession of a great fortune must be in want of a wife. However little known the feelings or views of such a man may be on his first entering a neighborhood, this truth is so well fixed in the minds of the surrounding families that he is considered as the rightful property of some one or other of their daughters. My dear Mr. Bennett, said his lady to him one day, have you heard that Netherfield Park is let at last? Mr. Bennett replied that he had not, but it is, returned she, for Mrs. Long has just been here and she told me all about it. Mr. Bennet made no answer. "'Do not you want to know who has taken it?' cried his wife impatiently. "'You want to tell me, and I have no objection to hearing it.' This was invitation enough. And then she goes on to explain who has let Netherfield at last. But yeah, that's that's an entertaining beginning. I like it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, it's, it's this one... As Jane Austen often did, uh, she was a little bit more narrative. She gives introductions and openings and backgrounds, which these days is kind of frowned upon. But she did it so well, and she had such wit. I call it the Jane Austen spark, where you're you're entertained immediately. That that opening, you know, it is a truth universally acknowledged that a single man in possession of a great fortune must be in want of a wife. It, it, again, it sets the tone for the whole book. That's kind of a big part of this this whole story. So she is immediately drawing you in by something is happening, something out of the ordinary. There's This is going to be significant to the whole story. Also, you get a glimpse into Mr. and Mrs. Bennett and what they're like, which is amusing and interesting as well. Yes, yes. I, I really do like that first, you kind of get... Be- both of the other two books that we just read you get a little bit of the the introduction the kind of cozy but it's not like talking about a scene it's just like you said the austin spark 
Mm-hmm. And then it has your dialogue and it's fresh and it's snappy and it's just two old married people kind of <laughs> doing what they've been doing for who knows how many years. Uh-huh. And you immediately get a sense of Mr. and Mrs. Bennett as two completely, completely individual people. Mm-hmm. And it makes you it makes you smile. You you're excited to read more. And they they tell you, oh, you know, Neverfield is Neverfield or Nether Netherfield 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 like the Netherlands. Mm-hmm. Okay, <laughs> not Neverfield. <laughs> never, never, Neverfield. No, 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 uh, no. They they tell you <laughs> they tell you Nether. <laughs> The Netherlands are let at last. (laughs) You made me laugh by your your impression of Mr. Gibson. (laughs) No, 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 no. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. One of these days, we will do an episode in the morning or the afternoon when we're both a little more awake. But anyway. Mm Mm-hmm. The beginning says tells you that Netherfield is let at last. So first of all, you know, it's been vacant for a while, but th- this is new and this is exciting. It's like, oh, who's who's renting it out or who purchased it? I don't know where they renting it. She said it's let. Um, what's going on? And oh, she mentioned that a man of good fortune must be in want of a wife. So this, you know, immediately so many things are thrown at you, but not mm-hmm. in a confusing way that you're like, ooh, 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 ooh. I want to see, I want to hear, I want to find out what's going on. Mm-hmm. It, it's really fantastic. And of course, that's why Jane Austen is world renowned across many, many different decades, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and centuries. When did she write Pride and Prejudice? Uh, 1700s, like, uh, I think the... Right after the Renaissance age that we were talking about that we hated. (laughs) Yeah. See, this is the fresh age when you come out of the Renaissance. I was just thinking that. Yeah. That's what what we are designating it, the fresh age. (laughs) Before we started the episode, we were discussing the Renaissance age and and just, there's just something about it that we both don't appreciate. Not to mention that it started right around the time of the Black Plague. So that just kind of gives you the whole gross feeling of, ew, the Renaissance age. So now then you have Jane Austen. And immediately when we're talking, oh, yeah, the end of the Renaissance age, it's like, yeah, it's a fresh. It's like a nice, clean, fresh new age. And I like that. I like that bit better. Yeah, definitely. It's like a nice rainstorm came along and washed away all the clutter of the Renaissance age. The plaguey Renaissance. (laughs) (laughs) So those are three really great examples of really good beginnings. Again, we had to go with with the books that were public domain because we couldn't steal, you know, copyright with all those other books that we like. But there there are some pretty good beginnings. Mm Mm-hmm. So we decided to do something different also because of the last two episodes, we kind of just sat there and gabbed at you guys. Um, this week, we wanted kind of we wanted kind of an exercise, so to speak. We wanted to do something. We wanted to actually do some writing. And so we came up with the idea of trying to write a really bad beginning for a book. 
just the worst possible that we could do, each of us. And the other would read it and talk about how we can make it better. So April and I both went our separate ways. We made up a beginning. I don't even know what my book is about because I didn't put a lot of thought behind it. And Mm -hmm. uh, I read it to my sister and she's like, actually, it wasn't that bad. So I (laughs) wasn't doing very good at I kept wanting to go back and be like, no, no, that's terrible. I need it. Oh, no, keep it. Keep it. (laughs) (laughs) So what we're going to do is we'll do my scene first. April's going to read my scene out loud, and then she'll tell me what we can do to make it better. Hopefully it's cringy enough. We'll see. (laughs) Yep. Okay. We haven't read these. Well, I haven't read hers. She hasn't read mine. So here we go. Let's see what kind of garbage she has written for me and what I have to <laughs> I don't with. even know the title of the book. Title pending. I don't even know what it's going <laughs> to okay. be about. No. I, yeah, it's okay. I didn't title mine either. All right. Andrea's Beginning. That's the title. <laughs> it was a quiet morning. Dew dripped on the blades of grass on the lawn outside. My shoes immediately got wet as I crossed. The neighbors were across the street talking about one thing or another. Michelle stood with her hand on her hip, her toe stepping on the inside of her SUV while she nodded vigorously at Barbara. (laughs) Sorry. I I love this. No, I failed. (laughs) I'm not saying it's good. I I tried to make as many run-on sentences as possible. It's it's amusing, I have to say, but but yeah, it's okay. I'll continue. Um, Barbara rocked from her heels to toes in a gabby sway. I turned down the street in the opposite direction. I couldn't be distracted from my morning run, especially not today. The Easton's dog started yapping at me, so I started to jog at a brisk pace. <laughs> So she, she randomly sees these neighbors that have nothing to do with anything. And she's like, oh, look, Gabby, Gabby, neighbors, but I'm going for a run. And it's like, okay, what are you doing, lady? <laughs> All right. So anyway, no matter my pace, though, I couldn't outrun the day's impending issues. Ooh, there are issues. Many people would refer to them as pending. Pending nuptials, that was. Oh, God, please don't let me marry that man, I think, as I break into a sprint now, hoping to escape the agreement I made in the first place. Mary Lawrence, what was I thinking? He wasn't bad looking, and he was kind enough, I guess. But was he really the best I could do? Was I settling? I was settling. How could I get out of it? I could be a runaway bride, I think, as my shoes hit the pavement, reiterating my thoughts as if to agree, even encourage the notion. But my parents had poured so much money into this wedding, I mentally sighed as I rounded the corner. I mean, I'm sorry, that wasn't past tense. I mentally sigh as I round the corner. Did my life's happiness have a price tag? My parents would probably say so. Just as I come around the corner, I smacked into another person. We both crashed onto the sidewalk. My palm burned from my newly acquired road rash. Sorry, sorry about that, a manly voice said in a British accent. Hey, I actually gave him kind of an almost British accent. I didn't know he had one. I I looked up at a man with brown, brown hair that was three quarters of an inch tall and faded out at the bottom. (laughs) Thanks for that. Like a modern day faux hawk. 
He had green, green eyes that spoke directly to my soul and a few light freckles sprinkled across his nose. Lawrence, who? My hand shook from the adrenaline of falling as I took his offered hand to pull me to my feet. No harm done, I said as I brushed the seat of my pants. And then I got bored and I stopped. So, that's... <laughs> yeah, that's that's kind of where I stopped my scene, too. I was like, okay, yeah. boring. Stop she it. brushed the seat of her pants and yours, too. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep, it's, it's a thing. That's how it had to end, you know, brush off the bad writing. <laughs> so what did you oh, think? Oh, <laughs> gosh. It, it really is hilariously amusing. Like, if you were writing to be funny... <laughs> Actually, if you really were writing to be funny, you could almost get away with much of this beginning, like her her neighbors. I really liked Michelle and Barbara and Barbara's Gabby Sway. <laughs> I I did too, but again, if you're writing to be comedic, like this, almost sounds like a parody. Hmm. Which the thing is, you weren't trying for that because you. I, know, I was trying this... to write a serious book, and <laughs> right. I, and, and that, I guess, shows that, like, if I read something that's meant to be serious and it feels like a parody, I'm going to be like, uh-uh, no. But if it's advertised as being a parody, then I'm going to be laughing through it all. Mm-hmm. So, you know, obviously her her neighbors really have nothing to do with it. So while amusing, there's not a lot of point unless the neighbors talking does have some have some weight uh, to what behind what's happening. No. Absolutely, I, yeah. I anything. I, I I figured not. I figured not. Um, you know the dog barking and stuff. I mean that's not that bad because she's like, she doesn't want to be distracted from her run and all that. So so that's okay. And and she has this issue. So you do open with an issue, which you know I know be I opening feel. without that. You know, I'm a no, bad writer. Is, well, <laughs> you're a bad bad writer. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and so she has this this issue. She's uh, promised to a man and she's regretting it. And that's actually, that is interesting. And, and that, again, with our beginnings here, I think that's what we're trying to do is say, you know, how could we make this into something interesting? So reading, you might be like, oh, huh, I wonder what this is is all about. You know, that that is bizarre. Is she Why is she wanting to marry this I guy? I would probably want to know if she ends up with the British guy who I was thinking in the back of my head was probably some kind of spy and they were going to go on an international like mm. spying mission. So that was secretly what I was gearing well, towards. Well, see, I mean, that's really interesting. But <laughs> and Michelle and Barbara right now, are the enemies that he's spying on, really. Oh, that's, yeah, 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 they're secret agents. See, that makes the it Gabby way more sway. interesting. <laughs> the, yep, the Gabby Sway. Um, she Okay, so she's she's running, she's thinking... And obviously, you know, never have anybody meet anybody by running into them because that's just, yeah. I started watching a Hallmark movie, one of those Christmassy ones. I don't remember the title. And I'm just like, let's give it a try, you know, because it's Christmas time Mm -hmm. and you kind of want something cozy. I start watching it and like two minutes in, she bumps into a guy and they look at each other. They're in a coffee shop and it's kind of that, oh, that like. Huh, moment and I was like oh my goodness yeah nope I defenestrate I I did I I I defenestrated that channel and, and wanted to 
toss the remote out the window too. <laughs> so yeah, that's that's very cliche. Try to think of more original ways to have your characters meet unless you're writing a parody, then that's brilliant. And then him having a British accent, cliche, of course he's going to be hot <laughs> if he has a British accent. He's going to be a hot British runner, of course. And then his weird hair description, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's hip with the kids these days, fam. Yeah, he's no, he's he's hip. I get that. <laughs> three quarters of an inch. That that was important. She can measure with her eyeballs. She like has this gauge like Sherlock Holmes in the in the Robert Downey Jr. where like he can look at stuff and he's like Yeah, maybe that Yep. She yeah. looks at the hair and she's like, That's three quarters of an inch exactly and I, I know that because I know it. It could be a thing. Maybe she it could be. she's a sleeper agent and doesn't know it and that's why she's re- she notices that his hair is three quarters of an inch long and she knows see, things and she doesn't know why she's jason Bourne. yes you know this is i'm gonna save this and write see, it later this, and barbara and michelle the are the yeah mm-hmm. barbara and michelle are the bad guys they have to be mm-hmm. nobody sways that gabby <laughs> it's the gabby sway that gave her away i just can we stop for a second before we move on to yours though yeah. Michelle and Barbara. Michelle stood with her hand on her hip, her toes stepping on the inside of her SUV while she nodded vigorously at Barbara with her Gabby sway. There's, you can just see vividly these two yoga pants wearing soccer moms with their SUV and they're, they're gabbing and they're talking and I bet they're probably going to go to Starbucks later. I just, that's a cliche. After they pick I, the kids up from soccer. Yes. Yes. That's, that's a cliche that I don't know. I think it's funny. <laughs> it is. It is. I mean, I yeah, I love it. It's a bit of brilliance in your bad beginning. What I think is wrong, what I tried to do incorrectly with this was I tried to do a lot of run-on sentences. I tried to be super descriptive and mm-hmm. not get to the point, which you can kind of see in the very, very beginning, maybe not mm-hmm. so much later, because then I got into the, well, I don't want to marry Lawrence thing in that uh, sadly was a little interesting mm-hmm. and I didn't know how to make it less interesting <laughs> so you know that, that's why I, I tried to tried to redeem myself by adding in the faux hawk with the three quarters of an inch tall hair and the fade at the bottom you know I tried to be a little yeah. bit more wordy again so yeah. you know I, I I tried I think it <laughs> like we are doing because that's who we are we're trying to make it better but uh yeah, it, it definitely could be fixed. And honestly, uh, if I ended up writing a book with this beginning in it, I would probably end up cutting it out and starting at her wedding when she does run away. <laughs> right. Well, I tried to make my beginning as boring as I could. So You probably succeeded. You're the I, better I writer. So. I even a minute ago went and added an extra useless sentence to it because I just felt like it needed needed that extra oomph. And yours is shorter than mine. I put in more work than you did. No, you're you you have more paragraphing. Uh, you know, you you use tab more. Mine's a little bit more of a chunk to block a okay. text. Which that's, which also that's is mistake be... number one. I don't. Yeah. How am I supposed to read this? Look at it. It's disgusting. You can't. It's a mess. I can't. I can't even read this. I'm putting it in the reject pile. Defenestrate. <laughs> Okay, without further ado, this is April's bad beginning. And it's probably going to be terrible because she's not even a good writer. So I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. 
Okay. Was this meeting ever going to end? Lucy sat listening to her boss drone on and on till the cows came home. She sighed silently and stared down at her cup of black coffee. It sat on the long, rectangular table. The conference room was large and windowless with deep, boring blue carpet. There were 12 chairs at the table. She Okay, I would be done right now. <laughs> I know. I would be done. I know. She occupied one, and it was the last place she wanted to be right now. Her brother had called this morning to tell her that the power was out at the house again. The ice storms lately hadn't helped anything. Garrett's unwillingness to get a job wasn't helping anything either. How long had he been living with her since he and Angela divorced? It must be close to six months now. Six months too long. Sure, he'd applied for work, even asked if her workplace was hiring. But after two or three rejections, he'd put in a minimal effort at best. He'd much rather sit on the couch watching TV, feeling sorry for himself. She chuckled. Maybe the power off. Maybe with the power off, he'd actually clean something. Man, what a snore. <laughs> I don't want... I, this is stressful to me. I don't want to deal with Lucy and her annoying brother, Garrett. Garrett needs to go, and he needs to just not even be a character. Her boss cleared her throat, bringing her back to the moment, and Lucy's cheeks reddened, realizing she chuckled out loud. Sorry, she said. As I was saying, the Bluefield contract is our priority right now. Lucy let the droning fade once again, her thoughts returning to her tumultuous life. Hmm. Okay, so first, right off the bat, you didn't use tab and I wonder if you did that on purpose because it's terrible to read you have to have your spaces you have to have your paragraphs Ooh. secondly obviously your your very long drawn out description uh, you could have just cut a lot of that just a lot of it secondly uh, her brother first of all this it just sounds boring to me I don't know for me you know, I, I read to escape. We we talked about that a little bit, uh, maybe two episodes ago. I don't want to take care of Garrett. I don't want. I don't want Lucy's brother. It just he he sounds troublesome. This is a stressful beginning. I don't want these troubles. But we're we're not talking about the book itself. We're talking about the beginning. So let me look at it. Still, I actually kind of like the blue carpet. <laughs> I was like, yeah, blue carpet. Ew, that's disgusting. It's a lot in her head. And it's kind of doing the whole t telling, not showing, show, don't tell thing. You're you're telling a lot and you're not showing a lot. You're you're mm -hmm. telling the the scene of the room and you're telling the problems. You're, you should show it. You should show her getting home or something. And Garrett's sitting there like. I don't even want to talk about Garrett. But um <laughs> we don't want to talk about Garrett. That's yeah, that's just that's the whole feel to it is it's just a lot of um telly. It's a lot of this is this and that is that. Now the irony though, the sci-fi that I'm writing right now does begin with the protagonist in a meeting in the in an office with coffee. Which is really funny and ironic. <laughs> I'm really just making fun of you. I'm like, I'll write yeah, that yeah, I'm that's write like that Andrea. And someone's droning on, but it's a coworker that she hates. And things 
happen like i'm talking maybe one paragraph things happen like super fast it's like oh my gosh it's a sci-fi so oh my gosh alien invasion and all of this stuff mm-hmm. oh yeah no, anyway. your, your beginning's entertaining <clears throat> i i wasn't thinking of that when i wrote this just just so you know yeah you were like oh what's that sci-fi andrea's gonna hope to become famous <laughs> off of let's make fun of it and let's i was like what's Garrett, boring who's... a meeting is boring i'm gonna sneak garrett into your book He's no be running no. from the aliens and he like just somehow gets you, in your character's back seat of the car no you know <laughs> this, you did accomplish something you got me not appreciating garrett as a character like immediately i was like oh that's a bad guy i don't like that guy he mm-hmm. is probably sitting at our house right now and he probably hasn't gotten out of his pajamas and he probably hasn't showered in a few days and he's probably sitting there on in her house and maybe the carpet needs to be vacuumed because he's been eating popcorn or something. And mm. it's just, it's basically like the re- the uh, Renaissance age. That's what Garrett reminds <laughs> Garrett is the Renaissance age personified. Yeah, it's not, it's not comfortable. <laughs> I don't like it. But you're not giving me a lot of relevant information either. It's like, who is Lucy? Where does she work? Why is she working? Where Where, where is this? All I know, I know more about Garrett than Lucy, you know? Yeah, yeah. Is Garrett the main character? Is he going to go find the other girl and sweep her off her feet? Does Garrett have a British accent? Does he Garrett's a spy. This yeah. is one of his alter egos, that's all. He's not really useless. He's like yeah, the Scarlet like Timpernel. Yes. <laughs> See, there's, there's something here behind all this bad writing. We have combined we have an an excellent spy novel the makings of an excellent spy novel yeah i think so now what could you do to fix this you could just get rid of it start in in the next chapter defenestrate it yes absolutely uh and like we were saying a lot of the times that's what your book needs sometimes you need to just write that first chapter for you it gives Mm -hmm. you information it tells you a bit about your characters it gives you the background story mm-hmm. um and then you just sometimes a lot of times you just end up cutting the first chapter and using this second chapter as your first mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which i would recommend with this because it was just you did a good <laughs> job you did a good bad job thank you thank you yeah i um i think you pretty much caught everything I was going for. Honestly, mm-hmm. the block of text was kind of just because I sat down really quick one morning and the kids <laughs> fussing nearby. You, and you I just children, like, yeah. I just typed, I just typed it out really quick. Mm-hmm. And, and it, that only contributed to, you know, the mess that it is. So, so it worked to my advantage. And yeah, I was basically writing like a premature beginning as an irrelevant information that really should come out later on because nobody mm-hmm. cares that she's in this meeting about nothing. And yeah. if there's a situation with her brother and if that's a premise for the story, then why not just start it later or something or yeah. in a completely different way? So I wanted to have some kind of something going on that was bothering her because that's, mm-hmm. you know, the makings of a story. But basically just wrote a bunch of irrelevant stuffing. Yes, unless something was going to happen at at that meeting like immediately a bomb was going to go off and they were going to be stuck there and then she's going to fall in love with her boss who i think you said was a girl so never mind but <laughs> <laughs> or i i read it in the girls was it was a girl it, yeah I, I her boss was a girl at least that's oh, what okay. i imagined her boss as no they become best friends no her boss is a spy as well 
A bad spy. She's in it with Barbara and Michelle. Maybe she is Barbara Her or boss Michelle. Is Barbara? <gasps> I bet she's got a Gabby Swain. Oh my goodness. I got goosebumps, man. This is the making of something good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that would be funny if we turned these into something. But that does go to show that, like, you can do that. You can take something that is just this piece of trash that you intended to not really even do anything with, and you can turn it into something brilliant. There's there's always yeah. a little gem behind it all. So if we really wanted to, we could take kind of bits and pieces of this, of what we both and wrote, and we could, yeah. we could make a really interesting story. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's another rule we have, which we will do an episode on, but it's do the unexpected, which almost every single writer will tell you, do something unexpected, make surprise yourself. What you and I do is we just throw the most random stuff out there that we possibly can. Like, oh, they're a spy. Well, it's not so surprising, sometimes a little cliche, but for this, like sitting in a boardroom and her unemployed brother, yeah, that would be kind of surprising. Mm-hmm. Um also, if nothing else, our listeners can see why we wrote a book together because we really do feed off of each other. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We couldn't just leave your scene to itself. We had to incorporate the it into mine. <laughs> yes. <laughs> At least we have Which, that takeaway. The Gabby yeah, Sway. The Gabby Sway. Um, and we are gonna do an episode one of these days about our two different our two different writing uh styles. That's going to mm-hmm. be a fun episode. It's you, people probably aren't going to learn a lot except about ourselves, but I look forward to that episode. Yeah, that will be fun. So, do we have any closing thoughts on Good Beginnings before we move on to our weekly haikus? Ah, haiku, not haikus. Uh-huh. Well, I think that we've done a lot of Gabby swaying on the topic, <laughs> so we could probably defenestrate this topic and move on you know what i want people to post what they think is a gabby sway and do hashtag gabby sway and put it all over instagram and facebook just do that for me (laughs) hashtag gabby sway we need to make that a thing yeah well you know if we're gonna ask other people to do it then i guess that means we have to do it too yeah sure we'll do it on aa smug before we we do our haiku just reiterating everybody for everyone out there you can send us photos or messages on instagram at aa smug double g or on facebook aa smug double g or old-fashioned email i don't know if people use email anymore honestly i i use it for like taxes and coupons but if you do use email it's like retro and kind of cool you know uh, Andrea and April at gmail.com all spelled out. We'll put it in the show notes, put it everywhere that we can. <laughs> uh, let us know what you think. Let us know what bores you so we can get rid of it and uh, send us something to read. We'll read your stuff and we'll talk about it. And yeah, now hey, that we tore like... each other's work apart, nobody's yeah. going to want to want to share their <laughs> writing with us because they're like, oh man. No, they you might know. get a really great story out of it. You know, they might get the Gabby Sway. Maybe. Maybe they'll rewrite what we wrote and they'll do it better. Yeah. Hey, you're welcome to do it. Let's hear it. We want to hear from you and we want to interact with somebody other than ourselves because after 16 years, we just 
we need something new. <laughs> <laughs> the spark has gone out. No. Not really. We're we're still BFFs forever I, and ever. I'm far from defenestrating you. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm especially if you send me socks for winning the mm-hmm. you know, the word of the week. Yeah. That's yeah. definitely we have no to... need for defenestration. No, we have to keep each other around for sock giving purposes. Yes. So since this is the last episode for February, we're still doing the love themed haiku. You go ahead and go first. As always, I think you do always go first because I'm shy. I'm shy. I don't want to share mine. No, I'll go ahead and share mine. Share Uh, away. It's a little bit of, well, I guess it's not a cheat because at the beginning of the month we said that it doesn't have to be romantic love. It could be friendship love yeah. or various. Yeah. So this is this is more of a cozy friend haiku. So oh, speaking haiku. of what a good friend my good buddy is, here's, here's, it's, it's just a little trifle. Nothing much really, Aww. just a little trifle. Okay. Melted cheese on bread, a tea tray and a movie, a me and you day. Oh, I love that. Molly Gibson, please. (laughs) Yes, I definitely thought of Wives and Daughters as I wrote it. I almost said that, too, before you even read it. Talk about intuition. Yeah, see, that's how well we know each other. That's cozy. We we, we ate bread and cheese and watched that movie. Um, Mine is about love. I only experienced it a handful of times in my life. And uh, this probably you could boil it down to this one takeaway besides the the humor one last week which (laughs) is definitely like these are the two you know Mm -hmm. yeah definitely okay okay okay. everything was gray you walked into my life and now I see color very very simple and I know it seems cliche but it happens you 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 know, that kind of mm-hmm. quick, fast, super explosion love. Not the love comes softly. It's like, bam, fireworks. You just feel like you were rocking around in an old-fashioned Mickey Mouse cartoon. And it's all black and white. <laughs> and then, bam, all of a sudden, color. And yeah. it's like the Wizard of Oz. And mm-hmm. you're in Oz. And that was definitely Oz. And I'm back in Kansas now. But, you know, I, I feel like that's very true for a lot of people. That they feel like they were walking around in black and white and... They meet that yeah. special person that just brings vibrancy. Mm-hmm. I, I like it. Yeah. Very, very simple, though. That's I like yours better because it's about me. Of course, I, I know I know what a narcissist you are. I think yours are. should win. Well, I think it should, too. Do you think it should? <laughs> Everybody should vote. Mine should win. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that wraps up this episode and this week and February, too. We'll see you next month. That's right. And a fresh month, we'll have to pick a new theme for our haiku. And oh, who knows what a whole new month will hold. We'll have to work on a really good beginning for next month, too. Wait, now we have to write good beginnings? Yeah, always. (gasps) 